you are being recorded as of right now. Okay. So if we have anything you say, don't say anything ridiculous that could get you in trouble. <laughs> or, guarantees. or maybe maybe you do. Maybe you want to rebrand as an outlaw or something like that. <laughs> There's potential. Yeah. Yeah. So uh yeah, how is how have you been? I I mean I feel like as good as everybody that is in this current situation. Um yeah. you just adapt to a new sense of normal, I guess. It's strange to be in an apartment all the time and not interact with humans. I didn't realize how much I liked people until I wasn't allowed to see them. And I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I do miss human interaction and human contact. Um, but yeah, I feel thankful that I'm still working and that my boyfriend is still working and that I can hang out with him. Um, so make the best of a not so ideal situation. There you go. That's all you can do, right? Exactly. Just control your own little space, control your own little bubble and it's, it's it as morbid as it sounds there's always somebody who has it worse to make you absolutely to make you grateful for what you have right totally and you're in Fort Moody yes I am and the breweries are not open they are open to for off sales but not for just like hanging out and drinking. Uh, it's but. Port Moody in the summer is one of my favorite places it's so nice it's lovely and I didn't realize quite how many trails there are in the area and so that's what I've been exploring lately on runs um, and it is wonderful because there's not very many people on them and so you're able to like social distance and explore and yeah it's great. Where have you been doing your runs? Um, I If I venture out anywhere it's to Burnaby Lake just for like a short okay. flat mm-hmm. loop um, and then just around my apartment so there's tons of trails that lead up to like Bunsen Lake that go yeah. up the power lines, um, all those kind of things. So I've been, that's where I've been exploring most and then hitting the like Rocky point and stuff just when I want like a quick and easy on the road. Yeah. Yeah. There's good so, variety there too, right? Cause it's, I mean, yeah. if you were to make your way up to Diaz Vista or, or Bunsen, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's hilly, but the trails, up, the trails up there are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so beautiful. And just to be away from people is great. Then you have like, don't, nobody worries about you. You don't worry about them. Um, so it's nice to be able to just shut off and yeah, kind of escape into the wilderness where you can. Are all the, uh, are all the parking lots at Bunsen closed? Yeah. As far as I understand, they are. You just got to run in there. Yeah. We, like the last run I went on over the weekend, um, didn't go into, um, Bunsen, but looked I don't even know if it was the north or south side, uh, but look down on Bunsen. So like up Eagle Mountain side of things. Okay, cool. Um, and there's so many trails that are outside of Bunsen yeah, that yeah. even if that area is closed uh, to go and meander around. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, I like Port Moody. It's one of those, it's one of the few surrounding areas that I would entertain actually moving to. Yeah. Um, yeah. It has like a nice little community feel like you're, it's a bit of a pain in the butt to get, to and from uh in terms of like getting downtown for work or getting to the highway but when you're there and you don't have to leave it's the best like i I love it yeah it's way cooler than langley (laughs) yeah but that's not absolutely no (laughs) you're not setting your stakes very high yeah i just just randomly decided to offend everyone in langley sorry (laughs) sorry langley but you know deep down it's true um so today what we want yes. to do, because this weekend is supposed to be the BMO Vancouver Marathon weekend. Yeah. Right? So what we've been doing is just kind of catching up with coaches who have had 
significant experiences at, at some of these races, right? And yeah. seeing as how you've won the damn thing, it makes, <laughs> sense, it makes sense to chat with you about BMO and the BMO yeah. Marathon. And I feel like the BMO, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear about it because, you know, you kind of, <laughs> you're kind of just came out of nowhere and won the damn thing. Um, yeah. From, from, from like the outsider's perspective, but obviously yeah. from, from your perspective, it was probably, it wasn't as simple as that. Obviously it's a marathon. You don't just show up and accidentally win a marathon. <laughs> there was uh, some work that went into it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm sure you, I'm sure you did a long run or two or along the way. Um, yeah. So yeah. So basically I just want to get us, I just want to, you know, let's get to know you um, coach Kim as an athlete, as a person, what brought you into the sport, like what, what your background is. So let's start kind of from, yeah, let's start from, you know, your first, Impre- like your first introductions to running um and and how that all came came about over on the sunshine coaster yeah so let's talk about little kim so not not, not the hip-hop artist <laughs> young kim <laughs> that's another conversation to have yeah. <laughs> um i guess my first introduction to running or track and field as it may uh, i actually grew up in zambia in central africa wait so um, you grew up in zambia yeah <laughs> how long were you in zambia for uh for five years no shit. Yeah, from when I was five until I was 10. Okay, tell us more. Yeah, so uh, I guess that was my first introduction into it, but running was just like a part of what you did at like sports day and in school, um, and swimming was my everything. So okay. I swam as often as I could, as, um, and track and field was just kind of like an afterthought. So plus fast forward to moving back to Canada. Um, I continued swimming, but just didn't find I had as much love for it anymore, whether it was because I missed swimming outside uh, or the camaraderie with the teammates that I had. Um, And my dad was always a soccer player and my mom's always loved the game and played recreationally herself. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to play soccer. Like we live in Canada, I'm going to play soccer. And so I did. And then it, that, I remember being a kid in Zambia being like, I'm going to swim for Zambia. Like I don't have citizenship, but I was going to do it. And I remember seeing like my coaches, um, one of the girls, I think he had coached swam in the Olympics. I think the 2000 Olympics. Oh, and I remember watching her and seeing the Zambian flag and being like, Oh my goodness, I want to do that. You're not Zambian, but that's cool. Um, and so when <laughs> I moved back to Canada and I started playing soccer and soccer became my everything, like my live and breathe it. Um, I was like, okay, I'm going to play soccer for the national team. And so I ran cross country and track uh, in high school and in elementary school. Um, I hated cross country. It was way too damn long. I was a sprinter and a jumper. Um, Like we'll put those terms loosely. Like I went to summer games (laughs) for them, but like, yeah, Yeah. Uh, soccer was, I was much better at that. Um, and so running again was just, it was for fitness, for soccer, everything mm-hmm. revolved around soccer. Um, and then fla- go to my grade 12 year where I was fired up to like go to recruitment camps or whatever it was to try and make the university team. Cause that was the, that was the goal. Um, I ruptured my ACL MCL meniscus, uh, in Brutal. my right knee. How'd that happen? Yeah. Uh, I was actually warming up for a game at point gray. And so there was a bit of PTSD when I went back to train at that track. Old Blue. Um, yeah, Old Blue oh, was where I busted geez. my knee. Um, okay. And so it, I was on like the grassy part and we were doing like a mini game warming mm-hmm. up for the game. 
Uh, my foot went into a hole, my body turned, my knee just went up and I crumpled to the ground and screamed. Um, and my dad was the assistant coach at the time. Uh, my mom was there because it was a game. And so he comes running over. I get taken to children's. I was 16 at the time. Um, and my dad had just gotten off his crutches from having the same injury. Um, and then I went on to mine and my mom's like, you're taking this, like wanting to be like your dad a little too far. <laughs> um, and so I had surgery. I was fortunate enough to be able to get surgery quickly. Um, so I had, sur I, that happened in October, surgery in January. Um, and I had to kind of deal with being a dramatic teenager as well as like losing your identity as an athlete. Yeah, I was like, yeah. okay, everything I want is to still play soccer. And so I then like rehabbed and like probably not as well as I should have because you're 17 and invincible at that point. Um, and I made it onto the University of the Fraser Valley uh, soccer team as a red shirt from a walk-on tryout. Um, but because I was a center defender when I was playing soccer, um, the position you have to be aggressive and you can't be tentative in tackles and assertive in your positioning. Um, and I found that I wasn't because I was so worried about re-injuring my knee. Um, but I killed it in conditioning practices. Um, <laughs> and so I registered the first year I was at university, uh, was great in terms of like making friends, mm -hmm. uh, and to, but just like, just didn't find the joy in it. And so my parents, like I'm at this point, my family is all on the sunshine coast um in gibson's and my family was like hey there's this race that you should come do and i was like yeah cool whatever like i'm in soccer shape i can probably run whatever it is and they're like yeah it's a half marathon i have no idea what a half marathon is like no idea the distance like no nothing and so my dad and i line up for it and there's it's there's photos of us doing it like every year for the past seven years or something um and I ended up winning my age group. Uh, the photos are great because I've got like a pro rep headband. So anybody that plays soccer knows what that is. Uh, I've got like French braids. I'm wearing a cotton old soccer shirt and like some clunky old Asics. Um, and I ran my first half marathon and I was like, oh, I like plays pretty well. Like I'm pretty good. I could be good. Um, and so inevitably kind of like took the bull by the horns, found a track club and started training in Abbotsford. Uh, under the Valley Royals with Sue Northey there. And that was kind of like my first introduction into like running specific uh, training. Huh. Yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah. so, so <laughs> going back, so going back. So you're way back. You were in Zambia. I'm assuming for, I'm assuming for like your, your, one of your parents' jobs. Yeah. So uh, my dad is a en uh, mining engineer. Okay. So he moved around, around a lot because of his job. Okay. Uh, and so it took us to Zambia. I think initially my parents were only expecting there to be, to be there for two years. I lived in the States until I was five uh, and then moved to Zambia until I was 10 and then have been kind of like on the lower mainland and around there since then. Nice. That's cool. It sounds like Zambia was yeah. a positive, positive, interesting place to, to grow up. It was amazing. Like it's one of those places that it was cool growing up as the minority so like kids in the neighborhood, we had, my sister and I were the only two white kids in our elementary school for the first two years that we were there because we were at the, um, like the mine school or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And um, so like home videos, you see like one little white head at the front and one little white head at the back. And it's like me at the front because I'm younger and then my sister at the back. And like kids are like, well, why do you have chocolate spots on your arms talking about freckles? Or like, why do you have hair on you, on your arms and <laughs> your legs or whatever? And you're like, I don't know. 
Like, <laughs> this is just who I am. Um, kids, are, kids are great like that. But they play with you and they They're don't care. They're just curious. Like, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so that was really neat. Like, obviously, moving back to the Western world, you adapt very quickly to the wants and needs that that entails. But growing up, it was kind of like you were kicked outside and we had a pool uh, and got to hang out with kids. And we never lived in, uh, like, the where all the expats were. My parents were like, we moved to Africa and you're going to live like one of the locals. Like, it was yeah. great. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was also young enough that I was naive to any of the kind of negatives that I'm sure were going on. Like, I remember my parents having to explain, like, okay, there might, there was a coup. So like, this is how we're going to like prepare you for it. What are you going to carry if we have to leave our home? Um, and I was like, I'm going to take my carved hippo. Like, was not prepared at all. (laughs) Um, You fail. (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, that life lesson you did not learn. I sure hope there's not a coup. (laughs) Poor little Kim's not going to Yeah, she's it. gone. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I had a really wonderful experience. I don't know if my, my sister or my mom would agree with that. But for me personally, I loved it. Nice. And then, so I also noticed like with your swimming and even with your soccer, you always kind of had ambitions for like that highest level, right? Yeah. Even yeah. when you're younger, it's like, I want to represent internationally. And then soccer is like, I want to play top level. Is that just yeah. always something you've had that kind of drive within you? Like, just like, just aim for the top? Is that, yeah, you, you I find think, that just, you, are you very competitive? Like, is that come from your father, oh, yeah. your parents? Uh, comes from my dad, definitely. Yeah. Um, I like, did very competitive. Like, I have an older sister who's four years older than me. So it's always like, okay, what she can do, like, I want to do. But as being four years younger, then like obviously it's harder to kind of like be as fast as her or yeah like she swam and she did all the things so I just wanted to be like her I just wanted to do all the things um and I wanted to be the best of things but I've got such a guilty conscience like as a kid and it's the same with school like school I would just like strive to be the best that I could be um and I remember like my parents have written notes for me when I like do poorly in a test being like I'm so sorry for not doing well like I, I tried really hard. Like you got one out of 10. Like you clearly didn't try that hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's always just been a part of me that's always like, well, if I'm going to do something, like I'm going to go all in. Like, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. I want to take it to what the highest level that is feasible. That's awesome. And also just noting like, it's like when things go, don't like the self accountability, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like I screwed up. I'll be better type thing. Yeah. Where a lot of people will try to like, ah, the teacher doesn't like me or something like that. So <laughs> yeah. That's good. I mean, though, they're like, just like, you can see even back then, like the seeds of like, okay, there's, there's something there. And yeah. then, so that, that half marathon you ran, was that, was that the April Fool's? Was yeah. it the April Fool's half? Yeah. 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 I want, I, I've always wanted to do that one. I've heard that's a pretty great race. Oh, you'd crush it. It's awesome. And what, what year was that? 2000 and I graduated 2008, so 2009. 2009, okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. was kind of the introduction to Kim as a serious, more like starting to become a serious runner. Yeah. Right, yeah. and then and then you joined your track club. So yeah. what kind of development did the next couple of years of your running look like? From running that half marathon, having a positive experience, not, not knowing what you're getting yourself into. So maybe I take yeah. back what I said earlier on about you just don't show up and win. Maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't win. But... <laughs> oh, yeah. But anyways, you have a positive experience to kind of plant that seed. 
And yeah. so what does the mental and physical development over the next few years look like? So with the positive experience that the fools have inevitably like taking my wanting to be the best at everything, I was like, well, I need a track coach. Um, so I had never, smart. You want to be right? better than a coach. <laughs> exactly. Underlying take home message. Um, yeah. So I went to Valley Royals and I couldn't have asked for a better introduction to running and to a positive coaching than I did with Sue Northy. She was so welcoming and the group was awesome. I was the oldest. I think I was the oldest in her distance group because I was in university at the time. Um, and most of the other kids were in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but they were all so awesome and it was learning how to, yeah, I guess I was, I was focusing primarily on cross country. So I did, I did BCs, uh, that fall as my kind of like, that was what I was gearing up for. And I wish I had my training log still, I wrote everything down and for whatever reason, don't have those ones anymore. Cause I'd be so curious as to what we actually did and what I did for runs and whatever mm-hmm. else. Um, but it was just trying to learn to like love the process. And so I ran BCs that fall and I ended up making, I came second, I think in like the junior division. Okay. And so I w- made it onto the BC team to go to nationals. And I was like, Whoa, sweet. Um, but my uncle was getting married in Scotland. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm going to a wedding, so I'm not going to go to Guelph. Like, not a hard decision. Not a hard decision uh, at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was like, oh, maybe next year. Like, maybe I could do it next year. And so, but that cross-country race, I ended up getting uh, two recruitment letters from UBC and SFU asking them, uh, asking me if I wanted to run for them. And so that was like a, oh, okay. Um, so I finished my second year at UFB um, and I ended up transferring to SFU primarily just because there were two girls who I went to high school with that were on the team. And so I was like, well, there's people that I know there. Mm-hmm. Um, and SFU was one of the universities that I did not apply for when I was leaving high school. I was like, that place is depressing. I don't want to live in a concrete block. Um, but any ended up there anyways. Um, and so for that, after cross country, um, I became more focused on running for sure. Um, but also experienced some of the bad sides of running. Like I was a soccer player, so I was in quotations bigger as a runner, but it was because I had soccer mass. Like I was, I'm not a slight human. Um, and I remember seeing one of the, the girl that beat me was so slight and I was like, okay, well, if I have to run, faster like I need to be lower weight and I had already lost a lot of weight playing soccer just because of being injured and having the knee surgery and inevitably gaining weight because you're not training um but it there was this like seed in my head of just like you need to be thinner to be faster which is I wish I could talk to my younger self of being like you're strong because you're you have mass like you have power like Mm -hmm. use that um and so that summer was really negative. I lived by myself. I had won a heart rate monitor at the fool's half cause I raced it again and just became obsessed with tracking calories and all the negative things that come with that. And it was also, then I'd be, I got injured. Like I had yeah. a hamstring tweak. I, the, the, the classic cycle of, uh, restriction and injury. And so I came into SFU, uh, to training camp in Whistler, just a bit mentally out to lunch. Yeah. Um, and I met 
my best friend at camp and we are roommates. We are both rookies. So we slept on the couch and on the pullout couch together. And she was experiencing similar things coming off of um, just really negative coaches in terms of like what they were prescribing to her for how to get better and just really negative things when you're so young. And so the two of us bonded over that, but in a great way, like in a way of like knowing each other's triggers and knowing how to like help each other. And I remember so significantly just seeing how much the girls around me were eating and calling my dad being like, dad, they eat so much. Like they have two bagels for breakfast (laughs) and like just mind blown. But it was such a positive experience to be around because it showed like, no, you have to like fuel to compete. These girls were flying. Um, and so my collegiate career was not great. I was just laden with injuries and this like little, um, like soft tissue stuff, like nothing significant. Um, but enough that like, I never really made the traveling team. Um, like I would go to meets, but never really felt like I was significant in terms of like getting points or anything like that. So it wasn't until, um, I went to Florida with all the women on my mom's side of the family to run the Disney princess half marathon. And like, I, I raced three K and five K indoors. I raced five K 10 K outdoors on the track, but like, I knew that I liked the long stuff better. Like I have a shot, a soccer shuffle, not some like elegant, uh, runner runner um and so I ran this half marathon in Florida we woke up at like 3 a.m to get there before Disney opened and whatever else um and I ended up getting a PB at that race and came home to Britt Townsend the coach at SFU and was like hey Britt um I ran half marathon but it meant that I qualified for the marathon nationals Mm. and she was like okay and I was like can I go I was the only one that had qualified for the marathon and she was like, sure. And so what ended up happening is the athletic therapist of SFU, um, who's now like one of my closest friends, he ended up kind of like taking control of my training. Um, and cause before it was just kind of like, I would just do extra reps of whatever else the, yeah. the middle distance team were doing. Um, and so I ran, that was kind of like how I was introduced to the marathon was through a six week build to run at NAIA nationals in Indiana. Huh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, wow. Yeah. And again, a whole lot to go on there. And it's, it's, I mean, thank you for sharing about, you know, like struggles with like, you know, diet and stuff, especially mm-hmm. as, a, as a young female athlete. Cause I've been through the college system too. And it's something you see and it's, and it's very, very common and it's not as simple. You know, it's, it's, it's a challenging thing that a lot of young athletes have to, that a lot of athletes go to, go through, right? Yeah. So it's, sure. just, it's just nice to know that, you know, they're not alone in it, right? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of people going through it and having that relationship with your friend being like, yeah. you know, it's like having somebody to commiserate with and to talk it out with is it's, it's invaluable because that can save yeah. lives and that can save careers and that can just save, you know, your youth. Um, Absolutely. So because it's it sucks it sucks so bad it's so heartbreaking to see um mm-hmm. and and then i like how you say you got your soccer shuffle it's, yeah it's, that's just efficient running that's just like <laughs> you, just, you just call it efficient running I appreciate like, that <laughs> well i mean i do it all the time I, I feel bad because i'll be like walking with, with genevieve and yeah. we'll and we'll see a runner and she's like are you critiquing their stride in your head and, you know, and i'm like yeah i absolutely am critiquing their stride in my head and i'll be like 
that person could be good at the marathon. That person's running like they think they should run, but there's no <laughs> way like that person's in the, in the first five minutes of the run. Cause there's no way they're keeping up that type of movement for more than, yeah. you know, type thing. So again, but like with, with the longer stuff, it's just like you fall into this efficient, your body's going to move with efficient with it. Right. And obviously you have an efficient shuffle. When I trained, yes. in, when I trained in, when I trained in Guelph, when I was doing workouts with, with Eric and Reed, I couldn't run behind Eric because he was so effortless and efficient with his shuffle. And I'd be like, yeah. how, is he, how is he running so fast, moving so little? And I'd go run <laughs> behind Reed, who is, who is not the textbook type runner. I'd be like, he looks like he's actually yeah. working hard type thing, right? So, sure. uh, I mean, yeah. So, obviously, you, you found your sweet spot or you found what worked for you, right? Yeah. Um, with, with the half marathon. And, and then the marathon. So how did the marathon go for you in, in Indiana? And I always find it so crazy how NAIA has a marathon. And then, I know. And then, and then they always hold the championships in like the heat of summer somewhere. And it's like these poor, poor kids. Yeah. So how did that experience go for you? Oh, God. Um, I mean, like as well as a marathon can go off of six weeks of training. Right. Okay. Um, there you I go. Think... You got <laughs> to clarify that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think I had maybe one or two runs that were around like 30, 32 K or something. So I was, I got upwards of that, but nothing beyond. And so it was just like a whole nother ball game. It was my first kind of like big travel to a competition, um, mm-hmm. running. So it was a two loop course. And I remember you like pass, but cause you finished in the, at the stadium. And I remember you had to the last few kilometers you like meander through the campus so you see the finish line multiple times before you're allowed to even get there like just mess with people's minds a little bit more um and so I remember going um and just having such an amazing experience because it was I think it was the second to last day and so Mm -hmm. I got to watch everybody else compete I did like a couple uh shakeout runs like and then I was up at the crack of dawn and got to do my own thing um so that was really cool also just be the only SFU athlete that was in the marathon. Um, the race consisted of 60 girls and 60 guys. Um, and so like that gets spread out real quick. Um, and I had no expectation on time. I had no expectation on place. It was just kind of like, do what you can with this foreign beast. Yeah, Yeah. Um, and so the photos are just so funny. I just remember feeling like 8k to go. Because the first kind of bit, you're just, it's a blur because you're like in the excitement of starting. You're in the first 20K. You always feel good in the first 20K. Um, And then it was kind of like, okay, now the work's going to start on the second loop. And there were long stretches where like you could see the traffic light that you're going to turn left at like kilometers down the road. You're like, oh my. And then on the second lap, you're like, it's never going to get here. Like I'm never going to reach there. (laughs) Um, and so I remember with, I think it, it must've been 8k to go. Like that's the number that's ringing in my head. I remember, um, the athletic therapist, Colin, um, who was my coach just being like, it's okay. Like you, you got this. I don't even remember what I took for gels. I don't like, yeah. I don't even know if I took gels. Um, and he was like, you got like 8k to go, like you can do this. Um, and it was like, I felt like I'd been hit by a bus. I was like, Phew. Like my hips probably broken. I yeah. like I can't move forward. Um, and I crossed the finish line uh, and was just so exhausted, but just so happy that I was able to do it. Um, not 
realizing until after the fact like I took a golf cart two blocks back to my the room that I was staying and like I couldn't move um walking upstairs everybody's like easy breezy going home yeah. in the airport and like ripping up the stairs I'm like I'm just gonna just be right there I'm gonna take the elevator uh, I can't actually there. move yeah absolutely um but unbeknownst to me until the kind of like excitement of it all had finished um I qualified me for Boston Ooh. um so that was like okay, like maybe let's see what we could do with this if I actually did like a full build for it. Because mm-hmm. at this point I had finished my eligibility because of redshirting for soccer. Um, I only had three years of eligibility to run. Yeah, yeah. So you it was like kind five of like, years to finish it all, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it was kind of like, okay, well, I'm, I can run with the university team still in terms of like being an alumni, I guess. Um, and then I can like maybe see what, could happen if I ran Boston so that was kind of like the next step um which I don't know why I would want to run another marathon other than the fact that it was Boston because of how miserable I felt during that first marathon but you're yeah. one of millions of marathons asking marathoners asking themselves that question right <laughs> every marathon I ever run you hit 38k like I'm never doing this again that's yeah damn <laughs> that's sure. a stupid life choice <laughs> yeah that's so yeah what would be like in terms of that experience in Indiana with your first official marathon, what would be like the biggest positive and also like the biggest, like open your eyes moment. Like I needed to be better at this versus like, okay, like, you know, what kept you moving and what, what were the takeaways from that? One positive, one negative. Um, I think the positive was I had always felt, um, not, what's the best word of using just didn't really feel like I belonged on the team as much as others because I hadn't found my niche. Whereas running the marathon, I felt like I did. I don't remember what I was seated, uh, but I ended up coming in 20th out of the 60 girls. And I was like, cool. Like that feels pretty good. Like it feels nice to be kind of like more in contention than ever before. So it empowered you. Absolutely. Um, the biggest, like, I guess, negative takeaway, I think I just, I didn't respect the distance enough. Like, I yeah. don't think I really fully comprehended what training for a marathon entailed. Yeah. Um, and I was young, I was 20. Um, and like had never, the longest I had done prior to that training was a half marathon kind of thing. Yeah. So like, that's you're just trying to like grasp way too many straws before you're entitled to them kind of thing oh yeah Uh, like I was way too early into the sport to probably have dabbled in the marathon um but I came out of it unscathed um other than a few like PTSD why would I run a marathon moments um it yeah it just left me more positive than disheartened because of that feeling of like, okay, I might've found a niche that I belong. In. Yeah. Yeah. And here's some challenges. And yeah. It's, it's awesome. So, I mean, that's so, yeah, I, I mean, I should have framed it differently. Not so much as a negative, more like a, yes, like what can we learn from here? Yeah. And I think sure. a lot of people, it's, especially when you're young and kind of naive, you're like, Oh, you know, it's like, I've done 30 kilometer runs. How much harder could the last 12 K be? Totally. And then you get there like, Oh, okay. Then I take it all back. Um, <laughs> a lot harder. <laughs> So, and then that leads you to Boston, which, which mm-hmm. year would this, which year would this be? 2012. 2012. So the year of the heat. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then you go and you, so you trained, yeah, 
obviously a bigger a bigger build. Yeah. Um, is Colin still coaching you at this point? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then and then you go to Boston, and it's Boston, it's the best marathon in the world. So how's right. that experience? Incredible, absolutely yeah, incredible. Um, yeah, it was. I remember my parents went with me, um, and I was trying so hard. I had it was in the, right in the middle of finals. Um, and I was like, okay, if I can like get this calculus exam moved, I'll be able to stay for a couple of days after the race. Like we could kind of orient our flights and the calc prof was like, no, like I'm not going to move anything for running. Um, oh. and so I was only in Boston for, I think like three days. I think we arrived, we had one day prior to the race and then one day after the race. Um, so like not nearly enough time to like fully, yeah, just enjoy everything that Boston can provide. Um, but with that, you kind of make the best of a situation. Um, and so I remember being um, on the flight and there were just so many people like drinking water and you could just tell the flight was like full of, full of runners. Um, and there was a man that was sitting near us. Um, and he was saying that he had run Boston the year prior and that they had to come over to the um, come over the commentary saying uh, like could all the runners like please stop drinking as much water as you are because they were at, like at capacity for their bathroom in terms of like they couldn't like oh. they were just <laughs> filled right up um, which I thought was pretty hilarious um, and so yeah arriving in Boston um, I didn't do the classic or the what most people say of like go in and go out of the expo and mm -hmm. like keep your feet up like I was getting the full experience so we hung out at the expo we wandered around um we were staying we had a place uh that we were staying in hopkinton for the night before the race and then my parents had booked a hotel in boston afterwards and then we had a car so they were gonna drive along with me logistics um, are on point there right i know uh so i did the whole like bus to the fields hang out in a field for a while um and just being surrounded by thousands of runners that have all worked their butts off to get there. Like you can't help, but just feel this buzz of energy the whole time you're sitting mm -hmm. around. Um, so you're just like, by the time you get to the start line, by the time you start running, like you already feel like you've kind of felt like you're going to deplete your adrenaline stores. Cause you've been already been so excited. Um, and it was just, yeah, I'm, I'm new to, I was new to the sport at the time. So like I knew the history of the, of Boston, but like, um, kind of just got just fell so hard and so fast for the sport when I was there um yeah. and so I remember running and I had it in my head I was like I'm gonna go sub three like I had trained really hard I was so excited the first time I was gonna do it I was like I'm gonna do it at Boston um and I remember running along and my dad had drawn in sharpie Kim down one thigh and then drawn a maple leaf on the other so all through the race, people were like, go Canadian Kim. I like, I got proposed <laughs> to, um, I like got cheered for. It was so great. And, but the heat was just like mm. ridiculous. And so I remember getting to the top of the, of Heartbreak Hill and it was 96 degrees and it was just like, man, I'm not on pace. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not on pace. I'm like, George, you're just going to like, let this thing go. I'm just going to like soak it all in. People had like sponges and ice and all the things. Um, and they were also, there was an aid station that was holding out sticks of Vaseline because like people were blistering and everything. And my lips were so chapped. So I was like, I'm going to take one of those. I'm going to have nicely um, moisturized lips and I'm just going to keep on going. Priorities. And 
what's funny is I didn't, I can't honestly remember running down Boylston Street because I was so gone. Like I somehow crossed the finish line, which I slightly remember. Um, and then I woke up to a medic asking if I was okay. And then I somehow made it to the letter K where I was supposed to meet my parents. And I passed out on the sidewalk and woke up again to another medic. And again, to my, I passed out again and woke up to my parents. But I was like, so, so much heat exhaustion. Um, and, but was just elated at the fact that like I finished <laughs> Boston, like, oh my God. Um, and I remember going back to the hotel room and having a shower and just being so exhausted mm-hmm. and coming out of the shower, like, half dressed in a sports bra and shorts being like dad I could probably like sue you for what did I say something and he was like why and I take the towel away from my legs and note to self I am pale as anything but permanent marker acts as a great sunscreen so I had like essentially branded Kim and a maple leaf into my thighs with sunburn (laughs) um so the rest of the time I was in Boston I was just walking around with my name on my leg sunburned into it um so <laughs> that was great That's um, wonderful I love that but it was yeah it was such an amazing experience so anybody that I hear that gets to go to Boston or is running it I just feel so much excitement for them because it's yeah. it's a one-of-a-kind experience best race in the world as far as I'm concerned <laughs> yeah. yeah so I mean and so like you, you kind of alluded to it but that was kind of like your first experience with the whole community of running, right? Because yes. I like through university, you're on the track and you're in cross, but like, that's kind of like a little bubble, right? And it's kind Absolutely. of like, you go to a track meet and there's not all, but then you go to this huge community event and it's like, you see another side of running that you didn't really know existed. Yeah. So especially to go and do it in Boston. Right. So yeah. was that, your, that was your first kind of introduction to like, there's more to it than just the running. There's a whole vibe and community and energy involved yeah. in it. And that can be, and that can be intoxicating and like, addicting right there absolutely um so coming off boston um yeah. you got a couple of marathons under under your belt yeah uh and so between that and bmo 2014 yeah what changes within your running um how do you continue to improve what's that progression look like so i continue training with colin um who ended up moving away from vancouver and so i just did everything by myself And it got to a point where I was like, man, I am not hitting paces anymore. Like, it's hard for me to do these kilometer repeats in this time. It's hard for me to like do anything. I'm just, I don't know if it's because I'm like mentally exhausted from training by myself or like maybe I need a group. Um, And so I, we talked about it and I was like, I'm going to try training with a group. So I ended up calling the only group I knew of only because they had such a uh, like large showing uh, at the fool's run uh, was VFAC. So I called John Hill. And he talked my ear off, which is classic John Hill, but was so warm and welcoming. And um, I think I had talked, I think I talked to Rich as well, like at BCP, but I was still so fresh into the game that it was just because it was another group that I had Googled. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, maybe he's a group. Um, anyways, and so when I spoke <laughs> to John, I just like, I felt just so much warmth from him. Yeah, he's and a I was good like, okay. dude. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, let me, tr- let me go and try this because I had like Catherine Watkins had run, were, was running with them at the time. Like I had seen all these names at races and like seen them high in the standings being like, well, oh, these people are really amazing. So I went and started training with them and that was probably 
it was like spring 2013. Um, but again, like just like wasn't hitting paces. I was like near the back of the group. Um, like doing, I was doing intervals at Beaver Lake and I remember finishing my 1k and just like hands on knees, like breathing so hard, but like wheezing breathing. Mm-hmm. And John was like, is there, do you have asthma? Like, have you ever had anything like that? I was like, no, I don't. Um, I ended up, ra- I raced, raced in like very loose terms. Um, BMO half that weekend. Um, and I'd had blood work done cause he was like, maybe go see your doctor. And I came back to my doctor. Um, and she was like, Oh, how was your weekend? I was like, Oh, I ran BMO, but like I'm, I was a very sore loser at the time that I like crumpled up my bib and threw it in a garbage can. So nobody knew that I run it cause I had ran it so terribly in I've my done head. That. I've done that a time or two. Oh man. Much. Yeah. Just the ego gets in there. Um, and so I was in their doctor's office and she was just like, you shouldn't be able to get off the couch right now. Uh, my, I was severely anemic. So my mm. ferritin was at three, but my hemoglobin was like 50% of what it should be. So like, there was just nothing good going on in my blood. Um, and so they're like, okay, we want to do infusions. And I was like, nah, like band-aid effect, but like, let's maybe figure out what's going on because I have a menorrheic, so I'm not losing blood through menstrual cycles. Um, at the, like, I wasn't hemorrhaging. There was no like big significant trauma or anything like that. So I was like, okay, let's, let's try and sort this out. Anyways, it's been like a 12 year process and we still haven't figured it out, but the iron levels got back up. Um, and I started to see that in training because I'd essentially been like self-induced altitude training for a year and a half because I had no oxygen going to my um, muscles. So with with none of the benefits though. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Just full fatigue all the time. Um, and so once I got my iron levels back up, it was just incredible to me to see, um, the times drop and to see that, benefit and I don't know if I was anemic when I was in university I never got blood work done um so I don't know how long this kind of like kept going down and down Mm -hmm. um but that summer I ran summer fast and I ran like minutes faster than I'd ever run in a 10k and it was like shocked everybody like myself included being like where the heck did this come from but like what can we do with it um and so that was kind of like where I started to finally feel the benefits of the training that I had done for years because I was functioning more normally in terms of like having oxygen that goes goes to your muscles. Um, I ran a half marathon in in that September and it was the first race I had like won and got to like have a finishing tape break across my chest. And that was incredible. Um, I remember looking at the starting list and seeing there was one other girl that was like, okay, she's like your top two seeds or whatever was me and this girl, this girl being Jess (laughs) O'Connell. And I was like, I was like, gosh, she's like a 5k runner. Like I, like I have, I'm better in long distance. Anyways, she's an Olympian and like a hell of a good runner. So I very much underestimated her. Um, But it just, there was just so, again, just so much joy and so much fun with running and running fast. Like there's Mm -hmm. no better feeling than running fast. Um, and then yeah, ran Victoria that fall in 2013, uh, PB'd again, but had a lot of foot pain. And that was kind of like my first real running injury. I fractured my calcaneus in my right foot. Um, and 
didn't really know until I bought, got the bone scan months later. And they're like, well, it's kind of healing. Like you had a stress fracture, but it's okay now. So the month of December, I kind of took a few weeks of just cross training just because it was healing and wanted to give it the best that we could. And um, it was kind of there that we made the decision to do a marathon in the spring. Um, and I was training a lot with all, all the boys from VFAC, like Ron and Nick Brown, Brian Andrews. They were like my core crew. Yeah. Um, and my mom's Scottish, so I have, I can have dual citizenship. Um, and so Nick being the researcher, uh, guru that he is was like, okay, well, if you hit this time, like you could make the Scottish Commonwealth team. Like if you hit this time, this is what the Canadian Commonwealth team is. Cause there's still that like wanting to achieve and wanting to be like, yeah. well, maybe I could represent Canada in the, in the marathon. Um, and so those seeds were planted of like, okay, well maybe what could we do? Like, what is my potential based on this half marathon time that I've run? Like, what can we do? And so that spring of 2014, I PB'd in everything, every race distance that I did, um, which just fuels the confidence fire of being like, oh, yeah. okay, like let's Absolutely. get rolling. Yeah. So. Once, once you get that momentum, oh, yeah. it's, it's fantastic and crushing Absolutely. workouts and it's all coming together. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, such, it's so much fun. So yeah. So obviously your block leading into BMO went well. Yeah. Um, yes. training, training, <laughs> training with the VFAC lads. I mean, they, they've yeah. always, they've always had a very strong group, a lot of respect for VFAC. Uh, so, you know, you're heading into BMO. What's yeah. that, what's that, what's that, uh, what's that whole weekend look like? Um, um what, what were you, what were your expectations? What were your goals? What, what, you know, it's getting on that start line. What were you looking to achieve on that day? So I think, I, I don't think I really had like a set goal until quite honestly, after I ran the fool's half again that year, which was a month prior. So four mm -hmm. weeks prior. It's always a nice tune up race. Absolutely. Um, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll run like 117 because my half, my half PB at the time was 118. If we're going to stick into numbers now. Um, and I went into the race and I remember John like kind of being mad at me because Lisa Brooking and I showed up and we're like, we want to show that elites can have fun too. So I wore a tutu for the race, but I was still serious about it. Like I was still serious about trying to really like, get after it. And I ended up running a 114 and just like blew my own mind. Mm -hmm. And John was like, okay, like he was so good at predicting times. And he, I even like outdid his expectations. So it was one of those like, holy shit, where did that come from? Um, but again, like fuels the fire. And so two weeks later is Sunrun. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to do Sunrun. It's going to be great. It's going to be my last big effort six days before the marathon. That's a great idea. Um, anyway, so I ran Sunrun and ran a PB and came in third and was like, Jeez. what? Yeah, like, yeah. who am I? What That's is a big result. The big result. Um, and I like, cause the sun run is huge. Like as a Vancouverite, like there's no point in my running. Did I was think like, Oh, maybe I'll podium at the sun run. Like, not a chance. And so when that happened, like, again, just like my own mind was blown. And so I'm in this two week taper and at, after sun run, I had to rip back to Burnaby where I was living. Um, and the next two days ended up being my uh, roommate and I were moving, so I was working as a personal trainer at the time. So I would wake up at 4.45 in the morning, go work for half a day, and then come back and uh, 
clean and move and whatever. And so I, the Tuesday before BMO, I was supposed to do a fasted longer effort. Sounds like an um, awful taper plan, by the way. I did, I did 23K at three o'clock in the morning before work. Worked and then uh, moved. And then that Tuesday night was kind of like, okay, like bed is set up in the new place. We're good. Like we can just cruise into uh, the marathon. Um, and I, but I called John so many times that week being like, John, I'm not ready. Like I can't mm -hmm. run fast anymore. Like there's, I can't, like you're just your classic taper worries. And I was like, can I come to practice on Thursday? And we were at Beaver Lake and he was like, you can come and warm up, but like you can't do an interval. And I was so adamant and bless his soul because he just wants to make people happy and his athletes happy. So he's like, you can do, we were doing 3K, 2K, 1K. And he was like, you can do the 3K. That's it. Like you can do it. And then you're like, you're sending, getting sent home. So I do the 3K and still in my head, I'm like, oh my God, I've lost all my speed. I can't do it. Five and days I, after Sunrun. Yeah. And I PB'd <laughs> in the 3K, like faster than my indoor 3K yeah. times uh, on Beaver Lake. And I was like, okay, maybe I haven't lost my, my speed. And then went home. There you go. Um, and was like, okay, so now we can like get into the like, let's relax for a second. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty like those other days, I don't even recall running. Like, I'm pretty sure I did like a half an hour run at some point. Um, and going to the expo, I remember going to like the meet the elites panel or whatever. And again, just like felt like a fish out of water. Like, I don't know who I am to think I should be up here with everybody and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so my parents have an apart or were renting an apartment downtown at the time. And, um, I was staying down there just so that I wouldn't have to, um, commute in that morning from Coquitlam. Um, and so I stayed there that night. I like did all my bottles up and like, that's the best pre-race thing ever. Um, oh, the and ritual. the ritual of it all. Oh, man, yeah. So awesome. And so my ritual, before all of my races, especially that year, was I was always I would always paint my nails to match my race kit because nice. I wasn't sponsored, so I got to wear whatever I wanted. Um, and so that because I wasn't I was wearing a sports bra and shorts that was like my plan for the marathon um, and all black. And I was like, okay, well I want to wear. So I did my nails in blue for VFAC, and then I did one nail on each hand in gold because I was like, maybe I could win this. Um, and it's just like instilling those little seeds of confidence of like, yep. you know what, like why, why not me? Like, why, why can't this be my, my time? And so going into it after having done well in sun run and the fool's run and that random three K that I was allowed to do. Um, confidence goes that, a long, long way. Absolutely. It's, it's like that risk reward. It's like, yeah. And that's, that's good coaching by John being like, okay, do this and then get the hell out of here. Right. Exactly. He, he knew, he knew you were fit. He totally. knew you were, he knew you were ready, but you, you know, you didn't know that quite. He needed to like calm the like mental beast. Yeah. Um, and so having spoken to Nick and done all these times and like looking at the workouts that I had done um, leading into it, I was like, maybe that Commonwealth time isn't unreasonable. And what so was it was that two, two thirty five. And I was like, that's a big, that's a big race, a but like, run, maybe. You know? um, and so, yeah, that night it was just kind of like, okay, just like try to relax. Um, what do you in, eat? Uh, sweet potatoes and chicken, I think. 
like pretty lame. Maybe some peppers. Um, That's fuel. You don't. Need, you don't need. You don't. You're, you're not eating for pleasure. You're eating yeah. for fuel at that point. Substance anyways. exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just try. I know, like, there's a part in Once a Runner, the John L. Parker book. And it talks about the orb and like just letting everything go into the orb so that it's ready to be released when you go race. And that I felt that like I felt that feeling of just like everything coming together and being so at peace with whatever was going to happen that next day. I was like, let's just fucking go and pardon my language if anybody's listening to this with sensitive um, ears. Yeah, um, but yeah, so waking up the next morning, I was just fired up. I was like, let's get this thing going. Brian Andrews was running it with me. Um, like he was running his own race, but like we had planned to kind of pace off of each other because we'd done all of our training together. We knew how to run together. It was just the dream. Yeah. Um, but also note to self, like don't use a black bag to pack your black racing kit because I thought I had forgotten my shorts. Had a heart attack the morning up. <laughs> Ended up being fine. Um, and then took the bus out to UBC and just kind of like put my feet up, like tried to just concentrate. There's um, my best friend who I mentioned when I met at SFU. She, you remember when you would take like YouTube videos and extract the audio and have yep. that on your iPod? So she showed me one that she would listen to every before every single race. And then it ended up being my ritual as well. And it was the Nike ad, the flip the script ad I don't know if you're familiar with that one and it's just like you can put it on now and I will immediately get goosebumps like it's like one of those like that's the last thing I would listen to as soon yeah. as that comes on I like headphones are out it's go time nice. I remember listening to that and it was pissing outside like it was just a miserable classic Vancouver May day yeah. um I was like okay I'm like gonna go do a few strides off the start line and, like we may as well get going um, and then, yeah, just high five with Brian and Ellie Greenwood, who was a teammate and, uh, also racing, um, lined up and it was just gun goes off and let's go. And it happens. All right. And it so, happens. So, so now, now we're stuck in the gun goes off. First yeah. couple K, um, obviously. So we climb out of the park, um, yeah. hang that left, uh, what are the first couple K like? Because I always find it fascinating because the first couple K of a marathon is such a, such a wild card. You never know how I you're going to feel. Absolutely. I think I was just like so hoarse with blinders at that point that it was just like, I don't, I remember hitting 5K and John being like, too fast. And Brian and I looking at our watches being like, oh shit, it is. Yeah. Um, but I didn't like, I didn't, I had a Garmin that I trained with, but I always race, raced with a simple Timex. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew what my five clay splits should be. Um, and that was all I raced with. And so it was just kind of like, then you're not worried about what GPS signals say. You're not focused on that. Like I just, it was freeing. And I could also, when you are trained, like when you put in those workouts, um, and you learn your body's response to rhythms and to paces, I knew I was on, I knew I was running three forties or three forty fives. Like you can just feel it in your body. Um, and Brian is so consistent that the two of us were just like stride for stride. Like it was a metronome. It was amazing. Um, and so hitting 5k, it was like, yeah, too fast. And we're like, okay, yeah, reel it in. Like it's, um, still early days. Uh, just oh, kind of yeah. like, 
you're still, you still have commotion, you still have whatever. Um, and so, but we had a big group of guys. And so that as a female is so awesome because you feel like such a baller because you're like, <laughs> just me and a bunch of dudes. I'm just crushing you right now. Um, at least that was my mind mindset. Um, and my mom is, my parents were both on the course. Um, so they would kind of like pop up at random intervals. So the first time that I saw them was at that weird out and back off of 16th. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Right after Camosun, kind of right yeah. around like, yeah, like 13K or something like that. So climbing Camosun, I had done, Brian and I had gone up to UBC and done kind of the first 10 miles of the course as, as workouts so many times that like it was, we knew that course like the back of our hands. Like that's the beauty of being a local to that that's race. The hometown event, right? Because that, yeah. Like Absolutely. That, that first, the first 9K of that course is actually smoking. Like you can, yeah. you can roll it, right? And then you, totally. and, and then you hit there and you turn right. And then there's a 1200 meter long hill. You're like, ah, oh. if you didn't know that was there, they'd be like, what the hell? Come yeah, on, man. Absolutely. Uh, so, but you got, if you're, if you're prepared for it, you know, right. And you yeah. can even like adjust your splits. Cause like whenever I do BMO, it's like, I know I'm going to be fast in these first 10 K, but then yeah. I'm going to give away about 40 seconds going up that hill. And then it kind of like totally. evens out and you hit your 10 K split like right on. Yeah. Um, so, so going up Camosun was amazing. Um, cause it, again, it was just me and a group of guys. Um, but people were starting to come out of their homes and cheer because yeah. we were early in the race. Um, it was gross out. Like there weren't that many people out and about, but there were people cheering and there's something so special about being the first woman because you get cheers that are different than the other people's. And it's just like, you get that feeling of badassery of being like, 100%. Yeah, this is amazing. So I remember cruising up um, Camosun and one of my all time favorite running photos is there's a photo of me with Brian beside me and a group of men around us. Um, and everybody's just got these like looks of concentration. We're hammering up Camosun and it's just like one of my all time favorite photos. So you turn left off of Camosun and you go along Ogopogo to 16th and then you've got the weird out and back and at the out and back I was like okay perfect if I get to the end of the out and back when I'm coming back I'll count how long it takes for me to see the next woman because mm -hmm. I was still definitely running scared um yeah, and totally. then I'll double that time yeah I'll double that time and I'll I'll know how much of a buffer I have and by no means did I go into the race being like I'm gonna win this but there was like an inkling of like well maybe I could um and so my parents were at the end of this out and back and my mom, bless her, just has the loudest cheering voice and it's brilliant. And so she's yelling at the top of her lungs and my dad is the polar opposite. Like he's so quiet and like just clapping like, way to go, Kim. <laughs> um, and so I pass them and I see this buffer that I have and Ellie and the girl that came in second um, or like second and third were however far back and I was like okay they're together but like I've got a decent gap granted we're still early days yeah so we go through UBC whatever we get our gels at 16k which I knew was coming um and we get down to like Spanish banks like all of this just seems to kind of like fly through my brain like I don't remember certain parts of the race because you're just locked in how so did, get to how did the long downhill treat your quads that's right I at half. I didn't right really notice it. Well, good for to, you then. Good for but you. But I think, but again, I think it's just because I ran down it so many damn mm -hmm. times in mm -hmm. training that like I, I kind of, I knew we would always do our, like we would, we did a number of like 21K tempos 
and we would hit it so that we had Spanish banks hit us kind of like three quarters of the way through. So you then still had to continue your pace yeah. up to four. Yeah. So we had a lot of good practice with it, which again is just like such a home course advantage. Good for you. Um, I mean, smart. That's smart running. Yeah. yeah. So, well, what's not smart, we won't, we won't praise me for all of this, um, is there's bottles at halfway or around halfway, yeah. right? Um, so I was like, okay, perfect. Like grab my bottle, look down. I'm like, oh shit, this isn't mine. So I run back. Put you ran back? In- yeah. Just, oh, just wait. Don't get too mad because you've got some time to get mad. Put <laughs> the bottle polite. back, grab what I think is mine. Keep going. Fuck. Another hundred meters down. I'm like, this isn't my bottle. Run back, put the bottle back, grab my own damn bottle and like rip up. And John sees um, Anthony and Brian, who are the guys that I'm running with being like, where is Kim? And I come like barreling down being like, I lost my bottle. I'm like shoving a gel down my throat with this bottle. And the guys have like slowed a bit to like allow me to get the gap. But yeah, stupid life choice. Make better decorating decisions on bottles because I, yeah, anyways. So I that's, like went. That's, that's, that is moronic. <laughs> that is a huge mess up. If you, if you didn't, if you didn't end up winning that race, that was like, that's a moment. You're just like, what was I thinking? And that's halfway but, in the race too. Halfway in the race. But my only thought was so like, dumb. if I so take dumb. somebody's bottle, then they don't get their nutrition. You're so like, nice. That, honestly, that was my concern. And like, I didn't really think about like, oh, I'm putting an extra 500 meters in my legs. It was just kind of like, they need their nutrition. I need to get mine. This is what I'm used to. I need to go back for it. I've been um, in races before where I've seen like people ahead of me yeah. and they, and they run by and they knock bottles off tables for spite. Like, cause oh. they're. They're like, there's, so there's two types of, well, there's a spectrum of runners. So yeah, but like, good on you. Good on you. Very, very polite. Thanks. But also um, stupid. So stupid. <laughs> um, and so I go on to fourth um, and my cousin was there with the, the girls that she nannied for at the time and they all had signs and were cheering. And so then you get that other boost of motivation mm-hmm. and then going along point gray, um, there were some people scattered around and I remember seeing Natasha Wodak uh, and she was cheering. Um, and we go on to, Oh, what's the road? Once you like, when you're heading up towards Cornwall, you hang out. You, so you're on, you're on point gray road, you hang down point gray to corn Cornwall. And then you turn left on Arbutus. To yeah. Go around, to go around kits. Yeah, yeah. 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 So then when we are going around kits, um, like up to kind of like where seagulls bagels are. Yeah. Yeah, um, kids, I was, kids point area. Yeah. yeah, I thought I lost Brian. And I was like, I remember just like screaming like, Brian, because I didn't, I couldn't feel him beside me anymore. And I like it, that was the thing that gave me like the most fear was like, mm-hmm. I've lost this person that's like such a solid person beside me. I can't do this without him. 29K and in. 29K in. And so, but then I hear him like, I'm here. And it's like, nice. it's like instant wash of calm. And so we bomb over Barad Bridge. And it's at that point that I start to gap some of the guys in the group. And Brian was just like, just go. And so coming off Barad Bridge um, on the downtown side, my dad's standing on the corner. Um, and he's by himself. And my dad is a man of few words. And I love him for that. Because all that I saw was him standing on the corner. I ran by he nods and says it's like it's time to go and I just remember being like fucking rights is time to go (laughs) and I like on my watch I can see like okay I've like I've still got time 
I like Stanley Park, I've run day, night, like backwards, forwards, every which way, like I can lock and load. Like I don't have anybody beside me. Um, so like, let's just keep going. And I knew it was going to be lonely because mm -hmm. there was going to be nobody there. And at that point I was by myself. Um, so it's like, okay, like you've got whatever, 12, 10 K to go. Um, just, you just got to lock in. Um, and what's great is there was this German man near me and he would keep yelling at me to like get beside him. And I was like, man, like I can't, I'm just, I'm just getting through this Yeah. yeah. and hit second beach at the pool. And I look at my watch and I see how many kilometers to go. And stupidly, because it's taking mental effort. Um, half the reason I would wear a Timex is because then it would force me to have something to think about as the kilometers wore on. Like I would just do math of like, mm -hmm. okay, I've got this amount of time left. If I hit this pace, I can do this X, Y, blah, blah, blah. So that was what I was doing. And I don't remember feeling super shitty on the seawall. Like I just remember feeling pretty cruisy. Yep. Lisa Zimmer was on a bike because she was following Brian and I, and I would like hear her voice flitter through the trees. Yeah. I'm like um, cheering for me because she was tr like taking the Stanley Park road. Mm -hmm. So that in itself was amazing. Cause it's just like, you still feel this heartbeat of people cheering yep. for you. Um, and then we get around to like the visitor center. So like, this is like taking away the whole seawall because I don't really remember it. I remember that last aid station at third beach. I think yes. it is. Yes, yes. Yeah. I remember grabbing my bottle and I had a gel on it and I had an extra gel in my bra. And I remember just being like, man, there's not much to go. I feel shitty. Like I don't want to take this. So I didn't yeah. take anything but water. My God, again, like rookie mistake. Um, but thankfully I had one of those days that just all clicked together and I didn't feel like I started to bonk until about like 2k to go. Nice. Um, I remember coming around the visitor center though, and up ahead of me was one of the Kenyan males who was walking. So he wasn't having a great day, but in my head, I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, I'm going to beat a Kenyan today. Like I am going to beat a Kenyan male marathoner. Like that in itself, I was like, Oh my God, hey, okay, we got to go. So I was wearing these shitty old navy leopard print gloves that I wore every race that year and my arm sleeves and I had two teammates from VFAC that were on bikes um and I like there's a photo of me like taking off my arm sleeves taking off my gloves and just chucking them to the side being like this is my like last hurrah of like letting things go like let's I'm all in um if I take anything else off the police are gonna come um <laughs> so, so then it's just kind of like okay you just you start to break things down into like, get to this tree, like get to that corner. Yep. Yep. Who knew that from the seawall to Georgia is Everest. Um, oh my God. <laughs> because that hill blows. Um, and yep. but that corner was so quiet. Cause again, it's, there's not very many people that are, have been ahead of me in the race. It's still early in the day. It's shitty outside. So I come around this corner and it just feels like no man's land. It's awkward. And then I, it's an awkward little. So awkward. Yeah. Oh, you're like on the, so you're I, like on the sidewalk. And totally. Yeah. Like, could just somebody cheer for me? I feel like death. <laughs> um, and so I come along and get onto Pender and I hadn't, like I, the last time I saw my parents was at that 30 K mark. So I knew they were going to be at the finish line. So I come on to Pender and you can't really see the finish line yet, but it's um, a long, long, it's a long away. stretch, like way longer Up than you kind hill. of anticipate. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the streets aren't lined, like you've got the barriers up, but there's nobody there. Yeah. 
And so it's not until like 400 meters to go that you see that sign. And then that's where the crowd starts. And that eruption of applause, nice. like you just, oh, I just like, it gives me chills, honestly, thinking about it. Cause it was just one of those moments of like, holy shit, this is happening. I'm the first place woman. Cause I had people yelling it. And so then it's instilling that yeah. in my head of being like, Oh my God, I am. And at that point, I have no idea what time of the race it is. I have no idea where I'm at. All I know is that I'm number one. And so I'm running along my, like my roommate and one of my best friends is there with her family. She had done the half. My parents are on the opposite side. Um, and I'm running down and just like, yeah, just the applause, like is, I just, I can't, there's no words for it. And so I cross that finishing line the tape breaks across my chest I crumple and get caught by a fireman um, <laughs> and am just like physically and emotionally done like yeah. holy shit it happened I did it I didn't even really recognize like what time I had done it in it was just the fact of like every weird three o'clock in the morning run with my dad every strength session every rainy night that I didn't want to go to practice just it all added up to that race that fell in line with everything that I had wanted I ran a 237 I had broken the course record um I it I saw my parents I like I've never seen my well I've seen my mom cry all the time because she's like me and is emotional um I'd never seen my dad cry so it's just like yeah, it's one of those moments that you like can't, I can't put into words. I can't describe just like how yeah. invigorating and how oh, incredible it was. And the best part was Catherine Watkins and Kate Baisley. I ended up running a lot of the marathon with, Kate, with Kate's husband. They were at the finish line and they were like celebrating and so excited. And all I could think about was like, well, what, like, how was your race? And I didn't remember saying this, but that's what Catherine told me after the fact. She was like, you wouldn't answer questions. You would just ask us how our race went. And I was like, well, yeah, you guys raced too. Like my race was done. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, it was so surreal. And yeah. I'm running around in a sports bra and shorts in like cold Vancouver weather, but like no no ounce of cold is hitting me. Like you're just on whatever cloud number you want. Um, but then I also got a lot of attention from that. Um, and so the next day my mom and I went down to Bellingham where I didn't have self-service, where I didn't have anything. And I just got to bask in everything that had just happened. Um, and we came back and I was on the cover of the, of the Vancouver sun. And that in itself was like, what? Who am I? Like, when did this happen? Did you finally feel like you belonged after that? I did. I yeah. absolutely did. And what's funny is I still like, so I had followed yours and Dylan's running, like when I first started running, like since 20, 2010, I'd like kind of been knowing like who the top people in Canada were or whatever. Um, and I like, I've, I've idolized Dylan since I was like apparently 17 years old. Have so I remember all. after Scotia, I wanted to run Scotia after BMO. Um, and you were there and Lanny was there and Natasha and Dylan, like there was, Kate was there. Like, there was a whole slew of us. Um, and I was one of the elites. And it was again, one of those like, what am I doing up here with these people? And afterwards I got, 
I went to Dylan's house for a barbecue. And I just remember having such imposter syndrome of being like, I'm hanging out with these people. <laughs> Who am I? Um, and like, yeah, just we the all, community is incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's like the best part. Like the community is so welcoming and you are a runner and you run and like, that's all that matters. Yeah. And that's BMO opened my eyes even wider to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how gracious people are and just, yeah, it was, we have a pretty special community in Vancouver. Um, Absolutely. and that reinforced it. Absolutely. It's, I, I love, I love, I just love hearing stories about the days that go well and yeah. go perfect. Like having those days, because most people I talk to about being like that damn seawall, that damn seawall. <laughs> but yeah, but like, but like even having that mindset where you're like, I know I got the seawall. You get in the seawall, yeah. you know you got it, right? So it's like preparing for the course, which is a huge, huge benefit and smart thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, and through the course of the day, not everything goes perfectly, but you get that perfect finish. And it's just, yeah. it's amazing, right? And even like not having words to describe it, but at the same time, runners know exactly what you're trying to say right yeah. like it's one of the things if you know you know it's just like yeah for it to come have that perfect run you don't even really need to say it first you know it's just like it was yeah. it was a day it was one of those days and it's one of those days that we strive for and we're yeah. continuing to strive for right and like you were saying that's why I was you were running at three in the morning that's why you were doing all this nonsense it's for things like that yeah that and, and it's wonderful I mean I just get I get chills listening to it and I'm like oh I wish we could race this weekend I really, right? I really, really wish we could because it's, it's special. And yeah, so, and, and then to take the win and, the, and be on the front of the sun, on the, on the Vancouver sun, it's just like, that, that's, a, it's not even at, at, that trend, that's, you know, it goes beyond running. That's like a life yeah. achievement. That's something you'll remember the rest of your life. Absolutely. Uh, and, it, and, it's, and it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing. And it's a wonderful thing that running can bring us and yeah. the, emp- the empowerment of it and, so I thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, it's, no it's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I remember, I, I remember, I remember when that was happening because you were like, cause that whole season you had started generating this buzz, right? Generating yeah. a buzz, generating a buzz, generating a buzz. And then you go there and you go and drop a 237, set the course record and win BMO. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, that's, here we go. You know, Kim is <laughs> Kim's crushing it. And we yeah. were, and we were like, now she can enter. Now she can be invited to our barbecue. <laughs> I knew it. Have a hot dog. <laughs> Here's a freezy. Yeah, exactly. No, no, but that's it, it a great, it's a great, um, it's a great story. It's a great day. And yeah, so thanks. Thanks so much for taking the time to share it with no us. No problem. My pleasure. Yeah. yeah. So obviously um, now, since that's happened, you're now coaching with Mild Marathon. Sure am. Um, how did how did you transition, or how did you, you know, obviously you're a high level athlete. How did the coaching yeah. all come together? Just a little follow up. Um, so I I worked at Running Room as most runners do in their university time. Um, I worked at Running Room when I lived in Abbotsford, and then again when I was at SFU, um, and then for runners I worked there as well. And so I always helped out with running clinics mm. um, and leading in that way. And then Dylan reached out to me asking if I wanted to help lead the east side 10k clinic with you guys in the summer of 2016 i remember that yeah. mm-hmm. and so i got that was kind of like my first introduction to it and then that september uh asked if i wanted to come on as one of the coaches um which like 
it sounds silly saying this, but it it felt like such an honor. Like it felt like such an honor to be asked to be a part of a significant part of this group um, and be the third coach in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. You've been around, was, you've been one of the OGs for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, it was one of those things that it's like, it's not hard. There was no other answer than yes. Um, and to watch it grow and watch it become the powerhouse that it is today. Like it's, so incredible to be a part of and I feel so fortunate that I get to do it on top of like my full-time job and on top of running like that's the it's the thing that brings the fire like the fuel to the fire um Mm -hmm. you can't help but be inspired by everybody's work every week um and the people that we get to work with directly and indirectly and yeah it's you guys have built such an amazing kingdom that I think it's so cool to be well we part of definitely couldn't have done it without you know your contributions and being part of the team, right? Stuff doesn't just happen. You need to have, surround yourself by great people, surround yourself with great coaches. And then we've been so fortunate to just have this amazing community, right? Um, And I feel like we have a nice little space in Vancouver where we can, you know, exist with other great clubs such as VFAC. And yeah, the Vancouver community is fantastic. And it's it's unique. It is quite a unique community in, in the Canadian running scene. Um, so yeah, so yeah, as I mean, that's it's, it's where we are now. We're going to continue to work yeah. together. We're going to continue to grow Absolutely. or we're going to continue to run fast, both ourselves and our athletes. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So thank you again for taking time to chat today before we go, let people, yes. how, how do we follow along with you? How do, how do we keep, how do we keep tabs on, on coach Kim? Uh, I would, I'm on Strava, which is very, pretty sporadically posting. Um, and then Instagram and Twitter, but Instagram is kind of like my meat and potatoes. Uh, yeah. So K-A Dirks, which is D-O-E-R-K-S. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where the majority of any updates happen. And that's where we'll get our recipes. Oh yeah. Canadian running, I guess. I'm primarily in the print articles now not on the blog anymore though those are still in the archives um but yeah pick up your local canadian running magazine and you'll have food articles from there every issue from me nice you do every you do every issue eh yeah yeah it's that's what's funny is that's kind of one of those rare random moments that um happened because of the bmo win um i had beers with michael doyle the editor at the time um and he was like you like food you should write about it and then i've been blogging and writing for their magazine for six years now there it's it's crazy right running is so crazy it opens up opportunities absolutely and and it allows you to interact with great people um yeah yeah so cool awesome all right awesome thank you so much again um yeah have yourself a great one i look forward to seeing you in person sometime soon hopefully on the track Totally. Thank you so much, Rob. No problem. Have a great one. I'm going to pause this.